Hey, brother. Hello, brother. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 5 of Match Wits. I'm your host, Steve, alongside my brother, Chris. Say hi, Chris. Hello. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, Match Wits is a nostalgia pop culture uh, podcast where we go toe-to-toe on any of a number of topics. Um, I don't know that we need to do the spoiler alert in this one because we're going way back in the time machine on this one. Um, this is a special kind of Valentine's Day week uh, episode. We're going to talk about uh, roller skating. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Breakfast Club. And then we're going to talk about some of our uh, on-screen crushes. So with that, uh, we're going to start out with a uh, – hold on, let me make sure this works here. <laughs> Makes for good radio. <laughs> we're going to start out with an all-skate. So we're going to start off talking about skating at a, at a place that uh, uh, Chris and I uh, went to a lot um, in Erie. It was called Skater East. Now – Erie had a bunch of skate rinks. Skatery was the one that was, I think, the closest to us. Uh, and most notably, they had on Thursday nights, I believe, uh, it was Holy Rosary School Night. So Holy Rosary was the school Chris and I went to. Again, seven years apart, if you're new to this podcast. I'm seven years older than Chris. Uh, but Thursday night uh, you know, was a mainstay for Holy Rosary at the Skatery. And, and that's one of those places from, from a nostalgia standpoint. Hold uh, on. It, wait, wait. Are you saying skatery like it's one word? Like it's skate eerie, Steve. It's not, n- the, it's not the skatery. Like it, the E yeah, is capitalized. No, no. No, e, it was the skatery. The E was capitalized. Yes. But there was only one E. It was skatery. Okay, well, nobody that I ever spoke to in the history of my life of living in that town ever referred to it as the skatery. <laughs> like, ever. And I like how you said there was a bunch of roller skating rinks. There was three. There was, wasn't it Skateland was one? Skateland was the one over on, like, Peninsula, like, over yeah. by Mount Calvary Cemetery. And then there was one out in Harbor Creek. I thought that was uh, Skate Park. How was oh, Skate I, Park? I don't know. No, but the, Skateland? Skate, skate, skatery? Skate. Skatery. It was skatery, like brewery. It was skatery. Oh, okay. Pretty yeah, sure. No, I'm pretty sure. Did you actually look that up? Or? I did. I did. And? I think it. I think it's skatery. I think there was one e. <laughs> yep. I think I used to say skate eerie, and then when I got older, I realized it was skatery. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna respectfully disagree and refer to it as skate eerie from now on. So <laughs> I'll be contrarian. Well, Again, growing up, I think I refer to it as skate eerie as well. Yes. But I think in reality, when you look at the word, I think it was a play on words, and it was it's skatery, and it I wasn't the. There was no the before it. Anyway, moving on. I, do, I don't want. I don't care what they intended. I'm telling you what I'm going to call it, regardless <laughs> of whether their intention meant to call it the skatery and be clever. I'm calling it skate eerie. All right. So it was skate eerie. Again, eerie was the town we we, we grew up in. Thursday night, right? Thursday night was Holy Rosary night at this at Skate Erie, um, <laughs> but it's one of those things like that Skate Erie. Like it's that memory of that place is like ingrained. Like I can sure. picture it like it was yesterday, and it was a long time ago. And there's a couple of things that like I just remember walking in the doors there, and that was the one we went to more more often than not. And sure. I think we only really went on Thursday nights. Now occasionally we would go on the weekends if there was something special going on, but like the brown rental skate with the yep. orange. The, the wheels and the stopper. Yeah, the own the, the the stopper, you know, the the disco ball and they would turn the lights down. 
Um, and for me, there was that, that nook, right, where they had the maybe eight arcade games, um, four on each wall, and then in the middle was a foosball table. Yep, and they replaced the foosball table after a while with an air hockey table. Correct, which wasn't wasn't the same. And there's nothing nope. like playing foosball on roller skates, <laughs> right? <laughs> and particularly when you're not really good on roller skates, which I wasn't, and I spent most of my time in that arcade anyways. And yeah. that is an important, you know, in that particular place at uh, Skate Erie, you know, I fell in I fell in love uh, a couple of times, um, you know, and, and, and speaking of the kind of overall layout of the place, uh, in the back was that cafeteria. Yeah, if you want to call food, it that. Food, food court. <laughs> Diarrhea thing, factory. <laughs> exactly. But they <laughs> had like that Elios pizza, the square yep. Pizza that had so much grease on the top of it that you had to get like multiple napkins just to make it edible. Yep. So, um, but it's funny because we, you know, you would go there. It wasn't just for the older kids. Like you would go there. I think maybe starting in fifth grade. I, I can't remember how it goes, but maybe earlier than that, dude. Yeah. I remember being like third and fourth grade and being there. But that might be because of you and Jen being older. You know what I mean? Just tagging along on things like that rather than being like actual for my grade. It was just like get out of the house, go with your brother. <laughs> Right, and time. the parents would drop you off. That was the oh, cool yeah. thing, right? So it was like kind of like a school dance. It had that vibe to it. But as I mentioned, like I, I, I fell in love a couple of times at Skate Erie, and the <laughs> first time, you know, when you go there when you're younger, the first time you fall in love, I was spending okay. most of my time in the arcade in the arcade section playing Donkey Kong. Yep. Right. Mine, was, and, mine was Road Blasters. I don't know if you remember that game where it was like the close-up version of Spy Hunter that had like the triggers on the steering wheel and stuff. That was my game. Well, yeah, and Don- Donkey Kong was certainly mine. Hold on. What did I do? I don't know. You threw me off. I didn't know you were playing like background better music, and it threw me off. I thought I thought my microphone exploded. No. <laughs> I'm trying to get more and more into doing audio clips as part of this. So it's, it's called producing, Steve. It's yeah. called producing. That's no, okay. what we can hire Benny to do it. Benny said he would be our producer. All right. Anyways, so a lot of time in the arcade, and it, particularly when I was kind of early going there, right, where where girls really wasn't a thing yet, right. It was just like go hang out with your dude friends, play in the arcade, skate skate a couple of times, but didn't pay much attention. But as you got older, things started to change, right? And then they would go from the all skate, and, the, and they this is a couples only skate, mm-hmm. and the the anxiety slash excitement that went with the all skate, or I mean with the uh, the couple skate, right? Which is, you know. You knew all week at school there was somebody you were going to ask or you thought they wanted you to ask them. And, like, and it turned into this massive, like, pressure and, you know, should I ask her? Should I not ask her? Does she want me to ask her? What's she going to say? Like, that whole thing, that's that coming of age kind of thing. And it all played out every Thursday night or every other Thursday, whenever it happened. I can't remember. I don't think it was every Thursday. But um, played out right there at, at, at Skate Erie and you know your first crushes and you get your heart broken and all that all to your favorite 80s uh uh music whether it be the uh the dance music or the 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 ballads that you would couple skate to 
Sure. And if you actually got the girl that could skate backwards and you could actually like slow dance while you were skating, it was like the coolest thing ever. Like everyone stopped and looked at you. You're like, oh my God, that girl's skating backwards. It's of course. Like, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you try and as, you know, again, me being fresh off of the, the Donkey Kong machine or off the foosball table to be able to, uh, you know, just try to, to try to, uh, to skate. It was, it was difficult. Whether it was just holding hands, it was like, you know, you take two steps to almost fall. So. Yeah. Well, no, see, I was always a big proponent at a young age that I would never, like, slow down. I would just slam into the boards as hard as I could. That was how I would stop. I could go really, really fast. I couldn't have any control or turn quickly, so I would just slam into the boards like I was a hockey player. That's the way I would stop, too. Just go really fast in one direction and then mm-hmm. put your arms out and hope that you would, that you hope that you would stop. Yep. And then there was another kind of dynamic there too, right? So if 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 you like if you really couldn't get up the courage to ask someone to couple skate, there was the whole write down a song and a dedication on a piece of paper. Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> Give it to the DJ yep. and hope that they would play your song and say, "Hey, this this song's going out to such and such from Steve and hope to see you later" type of thing. So yep. um it, just such a, again, just such a like ingrained memory uh, for me as a, you know, going from you know going through puberty and going through it at a uh, a skating rink uh, for the for the world and our classmates at, at Holy Rosary well, sure. uh, to see, and we we're all going through it, which is kind of the thing that made it cool. Well, it's funny too because I mean we we talk about how you're seven years difference, but we went to the same grade school and went to the same high school. Like so, like I kind of followed in your path later, like seven years difference. So like by that time, I think they were starting to phase out skate eerie and became more about like the high school dance or like the the middle school dances and stuff like that. So that's when I started learning how to hip hop dance and stuff like that, where you were more playing music and stuff. So exactly. So I thought that was a good way to kind of kick off this again as we like to start these. I like to start these with a little bit of nostalgia from from our childhood. And you think about Valentine's, you think about we're going to talk about our kind of our our crushes, you know, at that same period in time when we're roller skating and, um, you know, we're listening to the the hits from Phil Collins and (laughs) Lionel Richie. Uh, We're also watching people on screen. And and again, we're, you know, we're we're going through puberty and we're watching, you know, we're watching a lot of television. We're going to a lot of movies. So we'll talk about that in a second. I do want to talk about one other thing kind of as in the, uh, along the same lines. Um, this is, a, I think, a little, this was the same year. Again, 34 years ago uh, to the week, um, to this week came out uh, uh, a movie <laughs> that I think pretty, uh, pretty instrumental and, and certainly in my life. And again, for you, I think you got exposed to it a little bit, a little bit later. Um, Surprisingly but. earlier than you think, Steve. Remember the the seven year age gap also exposed me to. Whoa! No, go ahead. Oh, sorry, it kind of cut off for a second. But like the seven year difference, you exposed me to things earlier than I probably should have been exposed to it. So I remember seeing Breakfast Club and and those that the john hughes ilk that was more designed for your demographic i remember watching it earlier not getting it as much as you probably did but having an appreciation for it but the first movie i ever actually did a full critical analysis of was breakfast club i did it for my 
Mr. Del Rio's class at, at prep. It was, I think it was junior year, and it was like the effects of media on adolescence or something like that. And it was all the the idea of what was the cultural zeitgeist at the time and how it reflected the way the teenagers are represented and actually the way it was. And Breakfast Club was one of those ones that it it's dated now due to fashion and things like that but the the concepts discussed the idea of having problems with your parents about feeling disassociated with the group that you've kind of been associated with your entire life like uh emilio estevez's character not wanting to be a jock and wanting to be a little bit more sympathetic like those still resonate regardless of time frame and that's one of those movies that john hughes nailed he was able to boil down from what I thought would was the experience of high school at that point in time. You can speak to that much better than I can, but those are archetypes. The the Judd the Judd Nelson character of Bender as the bad boy that smokes cigarettes and has an earring and and then the prude of uh, Molly Ringwald and stuff like those are archetypes and it still works. Like the music and the the fashion is dated, but the concepts never get dated because that's why they're they're archetypes. Right, right, and and taking, was it five kids, teenagers, yep. right, out of the element and putting them in a room together, locked for a period of time, and, and they start to break down the walls between you know the 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 jock and the prude and the you know the geek and the you know you know all that kind of break it all down and they just start to relate to each other as um you know as as peers and just as as you know kids or young adults um but you know the def- one thing about the breakfast club was you know and and you know i i think at one point i heard that they were going to try to do like a 10 year after the breakfast club get everybody together but john hughes and judd nelson did not get along and that thus, thus it never happened. It was never never able to happen. But I, I think I the idea behind it was it was going to be kind of this periodic check in as people go through life and they kind of go back to that shared experience of high school where everybody's doing their different thing and and then how you know how you how you grow up through it. Sure, but the, you also run into the the dangerous territory of not associating with the characters as they got older. You know what I mean? Like you you grew up kind of a little bit more bender than you did Anthony Michael Hall's character where I was more Anthony Michael Hall versus you know what I mean like through the through the music and stuff like that and you were kind of a little bit you had a mullet and you, you know wore Iron Maiden t-shirts and stuff like that where I was a little bit nerdier man like I would dress like I dressed like Michael P. Keaton until I was like 7th or 8th grade and then <laughs> and then I dressed like Zach Morris through most of high school so like the idea of would I still associate with Anthony Michael Hall's character as he got older how John Hughes would present it just leave it as the perfect little time capsule to the mid 80s that it is you know what I mean like I don't there's some movies that are ripe for remake and I know we want to do an episode on that down the road but Breakfast Club is one of those ones just don't touch it it's like the Godfather Breakfast Club just don't don't touch them the Goonies, don't, don't, don't do it. Just don't. If you want to do the later version of the Goonies with like their kids coming together, sure. As long as everybody's involved that was originally involved, the director, the writers, everybody comes back. That's the only way to work. And then even then, it's not a guarantee that it will. So, right. 
Yeah, and I think we do a whole episode on John Hughes, right? I mean, sure. he's got some of those super... For me, I mean, that was right. I mean, 84 was my, you know, I was 12 years old, and, yep. and those those all hit home, that whole arc of John Hughes John Hughes films. I do have a little bit, little clip, uh, and that's why I, I cut it off because you were talking, but Sorry. I do have a little little clip here from The Breakfast Club that I'll play. Office, right across that hall. Any monkey business is ill-advised. Questions? Yeah, I got a question. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Give you the answer to that question, Mr. Bender, next Saturday. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. <laughs> so, for me, classic line. I think I still use that. Mess with the bull, you get the horns. So. Absolutely. But, I, I, but, I still use the, I, I, what if there's a fire? I think I think the school board would be very disappointed that you endangered the life of children. What are you doing? Get this out of here. Yeah, that's one of those movies I can go through. I used to be able to do the whole speech, the the paper that Brian writes to the principal at the end about the who we are and how we define ourselves. I used to be able to do that verbatim, but I don't want to embarrass myself and do it wrong. So Yeah, and that and the way that they, you know, they gave him an assignment and then they they finish out the movie. And they do one letter to, mm-hmm. to um, oh, what's his name? Bender. Um, oh, no, no, Bender. no, to, uh, to, to the principal. Um, but anyways, they do they, they do that one letter to him uh, together, and that and it just ends like it, it, John Hughes was a great like he did those movies so well. So, anyways, wanted to touch on that because I saw that I was like thirty four years. Holy crap, that's a that's a long time since that movie came out. Again, I think the themes and everything in it still hold up. To your point, the the, the wardrobes and some of the other stuff, maybe not. But I mean, overall, like you know, as a for me, that's a, probably the one of the more nostalgic movies that I have. That I, I I just I watched clips of it today, and I was like, oh man, I was right back there in nineteen eighty four. Well, Steve, it kind of all boils. We, we mentioned it, I think, every podcast so far is that a lot of this boils down to those VHS tapes that we had. And those VHS tapes that had the ones that we recorded off of HBO that we watched incessantly. We had a lot of them. There was probably 40, 45 tapes that had probably two to three movies per. So there was like 150 movies there that. I probably watched each one of those tapes 20 to 30 times each. Even the bad ones that had, like, Goodbye Girl and and uh, Tootsie and all of those movies that I didn't particularly High School care USA? For. High School USA. I, I still remember the weird edit where it fades to black and then comes back in because it originally was supposed to be a TV movie. It was, like, during <laughs> the big... I still... Steve, it's, I still clearly remember that as clearly as I remember... Susanna Hoff's eye movement from the the Walk Like an Egyptian video from MTV. Like we were talking about when we first were brainstorming about this this episode, and we were talking about you know childhood crushes and things like that. That's the first thing that I thought of, and it's a simple eye movement. She's not doing anything deliberately. Well, yeah, probably deliberately sexy, but she's just standing there, and she looks from one side to the other and I still remember that that to this day and it came out in 1986 87 so I was like eight <laughs> nine right. years old and so as soon as you said that that was like I was like okay are we talking about musicians as well and you're like why and then I sent you that the gif of that movement and you're like oh man you just opened the whole Pandora's box because 
it does you know it's 25 30 years later and it resonates that i still am looking at it like i saw it for the first time so right and you remember seeing it when you were 12 i think it's that feeling right the same thing when i like like the memory of skatery the the memory of <laughs> breakfast club like the memory of 1984 that was a good year and that was a good year for cinema if you look at the movies that came out that year sure. like it was 84 was a good year for a lot of things good for cinema good for movies um so again, that's our that's our segue. Now, 1984 for me, probably 1990 for you, which is, you know, um, you know, we're going to talk about our kind of on screen or celebrity crushes, but we got to do it in a way that doesn't make it super creepy. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to talk about like when we were 12, when we were 13, when we were 14, or you know, in that in that range. And we're not putting definite ranges on it, but exactly there, and. And, and the fact of the matter is that all of the people that we're going to talk about are probably in their late 40s to early 50s at this point in time, I think takes the creep factor away from it a little bit. So <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> um, but we're not talking them as grown men looking back and getting right. that, whatever. So right. um, so what we wanted to do, and again, there is, there, and I think as we get into the show, the listeners will understand what we're, where we're coming from here, but... Um, and I think this will be one in the in the, you know the last couple episodes we've been I've got my list. Um, Chris kind of interjects, reminds me of things that I missed. We pull some stuff out, we put it on. I think this might be one where our list our list might deviate uh, pretty significantly because of that seven year difference. What was popular sure. in 1984 uh, certainly wasn't still popular in 19 in 1990. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start out with my list. I'm going to go through my I got a couple honorable mentions. And again, this the, the, these run the gamut for me, right? I've got I've got people that were roughly like there were teenagers or playing teenagers, and then I've got you know <laughs> adults. Uh, but you know when you're when you're twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and 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 you know you're going through puberty and you're looking at stuff on screen, you know it, <laughs> it takes sure. on all sorts of all different all different forms. So again, these are just characters or, or people. Um, and again, not making it creepy, but just talking about like, those, <laughs> those crushes, the crushes you had. Like um, so, in the honorable mention category, I've got Rebecca De Mornay. Like, oh, sure. You know, risky business. Uh, I've got uh, Ioni Sky from Say oh, yeah. Anything. Um, she's on she's on my list just because you were John Cusack that we when we were growing up, so everything that he was in we watched. So we watched Better Off Dead and we watched One Crazy Summer and we watched Say Anything a lot and she was so adorable in that movie. She's on my list, Steve. Like she didn't oh, do wow. anything she wasn't really she didn't do anything after that. Like she was in a few movies and she probably still does stuff now, but nothing that I can really remember but I remember her being Diane Court and being so gosh darn adorable through that whole movie <laughs> that you're just rooting for Lloyd. But then again, that has that has a lot to do with you as an influence on my media because your wedding was say anything themed and you have that big tattoo on your leg and, and I, I saw it so much growing <laughs> up and that's probably why that it imprinted on me at an early age where she was. She Ioni Sky's probably ten to fifteen years older than me, so she was probably twenty when I was six, <laughs> wherever that <laughs> right. was. So. Right, right. But. All right, and then another honorable mention. Um, I struggled with this one, but I uh, again I'll put, I'll put her as an honorable mention was uh, Radon Chong. Okay, right. Sure. So. Yeah. Again, we're gonna we're gonna. I don't, don't mean to keep coming back to the age difference, but for me, Beat Street was an important movie, and she was great in that. 
And then there was that movie that, by today's standard, is so politically incorrect, which was Soul Man with C. Uh, Thomas no. Howell. C. Thomas Howell. <laughs> Where, it, it, again, it's it, look it up. It's it's a, uh, I don't know. I just remember it seemed to be on the USA Network all the time. All but, the time. Uh, Ray Don Chong was was she she was she was adorable in that. And you, uh, you also forget Ray Don Chong's claim to fame that she was the femme fatale in Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, oh no. Oh yeah, she's she's been in a lot. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's Tommy Chong's daughter. Um, she was in, I think, the Corsican Brothers. She was, you know, in some of their movies. So, again, honorable mention. Um, but for for Beat Street, that that movie again, Beat Street is one of those '80s movies that I that I, I still have a liking to. All right, so one, two, three, four, five. I still have seven on my list. So I'm going to call this this next one an honorable mention, but it was Olivia Newton-John. Um, <laughs> and it's Olivia Newton-John for two reasons, right? The uh, Let's actually, Get Physical video. <laughs> the Let's Get Physical video and album. Okay. The Grease, of course, right? Um, and then there was a movie that I, uh, I know that was in that VHS tape collection. And it was on HBO all the time, Two of a Kind. Two of a kind. Yep. With John Travolta, where With John Travolta that was they're going to end the world, but they're trying to prove that these two people that you know really only care about, or that John Travolta only really cares about himself, is going to care yeah. for this woman. And uh, I can't saw it a thousand times, but um, she was really good in that. So she's a Grease is one of those movies that like I'm ashamed to admit how many times I've seen. Like I had the V, like I have it on the soundtrack on CD, which I don't think I own a CD player anymore, but I still have the soundtrack because I bought it in high school. And when she shows up in the other, at the end in leather, when she goes completely <laughs> against her, ah. still of to course. this day, you can think about it, stud. This is one of those things that I think about that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I yep. see how that, yeah, that works. Yeah, so that, again, she, she borderline. Um, and now I'm going to go through some others. Um, so... Uh, this one goes back to uh, High School USA, but you know probably her claim to fame was as uh, Joe Polnicek in uh, Facts of Life, uh, Nancy McKeon. Yep. And again, that for for me that was a, you know you look at the time and um, uh, there's a lot of things about uh, about her character and and all that. But you know when you're uh, when you're a boy yeah. growing up in Erie and, and a Polish family and you get a uh, a strong female lead like that that was again one of my one of my early crushes that I remember watching on, on TV and the fact that she was in High School USA with Michael J. Fox was, was a bonus so she's the she's the tomboy like forgive my ignorance she's the tomboy from Facts of Life right she's kind yeah, of the, 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 the yeah the yeah brunette okay. kind of tough like not the blonde no no okay I forget. I, I remember Trudy, and then I remember the the bigger gal, and then I thought Nancy McKeon was more the the tomboy ish. Yeah, but she okay. yeah she was the she went by Joe because she was she was kind of tough. I think she was probably from from wherever, like the, the wrong side of the tracks or sure. whatever. She was just she had a tough persona, and you know we we were <laughs> we were we were raised some, around some pretty pretty strong women. So pretty tough women. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me if you went back and looked and looked at her character name if she had a Polish last name. Or like a check. No, that's what I just said. Her name was Joe Polnicek on oh, the show. I'm sorry, I didn't. I missed that her, part. Her real name was Joanna Marie Polnicek, but she wasn't Joe. <laughs> Polnicek. That sounds yeah. Polish. There's yeah, that's what I said. It was like a strong Polish character. So. There's a Z in there somewhere. <laughs> exactly. All right. So the next one on my list, and the, oh, man, this is this is this is a tough one. Um, this is. I don't think she. I think she was only ever in a handful of movies. Um, 
I didn't even know her name, but as I started looking around, <laughs> so her name is Joyce Heiser. Okay. Just one of the guys. Wait, she's Terry. The the the, she, the, the she main went, the, the the girl that goes undercover as a dude. Correct, and then she at the end she opens her yeah. top and yeah. You, you see her boobies. You can yes. say it, Steve. We're exactly. grown adults that you can say, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the few movies that we actually had, like, boob Full in frontal. it. Full frontal, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Dude, it's the same reason I watched uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation. I can remember the timing of where you had to rewind it to when he was when Clark goes to the exotic dance studio where it's like they're doing aerobics but they're topless and then the right. end when and then the end when Rusty is making out with the the German girl I still like I can remember the like the sound timing of when to oh okay this is when the boobies are coming so <laughs> we're growing adults so yeah. sort of so just one of the guys and again yeah. that was one of those ones I'm pretty sure it was in the VHS collection oh, yeah. watched it a lot and there was that scene in there so Sure. I don't think I don't know if anybody remembers that movie, but it was a great one from the '80s, and again, certainly had a, a time in my life where fast forwarding VHS tapes to look at boobies was was at its premium. <laughs> sure, <laughs> absolutely, and it was one of those ones that it, it there was nothing else that was even like a sexual component to that movie, other than other than the gender swapping. Right. But there was there was I knew there was boobies coming, so I could watch the the monotony of <laughs> what it's like to be a girl in high school and blah 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 because I knew what was coming at the end. Exactly. All right, moving on to the next one in uh, in my list is Leah Thompson. Okay. So, um, and and I think we talked when we talked about Red Dawn. I was spacing on who the who was uh, you know who was the other one opposite Jennifer Gray. I thought it was Diane Lane. It was Leah Thompson. I thought it was right. Ali Sheedy. I actually wrote Jennifer Gray slash Ali Sheedy from Red Dawn. Then it's I was completely wrong. So no, yeah. you're right. Yeah, Leah Thompson. So some kind of wonderful, and you know, as a movie that's kind of has like drumming as part of the as one of the characters in the or music as one of the characters, right? Um, she wasn't the drummer, right? It was um, oh, what was her name? The, Music's your forte, dude. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, but <laughs> so but but she was in that. She was in Red Dawn. She was in Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Um, she know. got she got freaky with a duck and Howard the Duck. Man, come on. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> So a lot of there's a lot you know there, a lot a lot in that one um, sure. a lot of different parts a lot of different movies but uh, they're talking yeah, about a, remaking Howard the Duck and she wants to direct it oh really yeah there's been like talks with Marvel about it she was like one of the movies I've always been somewhat embarrassed about in my career is Howard the Duck and what better way to rectify it is by directing it I was like that's the weirdest article I've ever read <laughs> so Howard the Duck was a Marvel property it. Yes, the, the 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 character of Howard the Duck is a Marvel character, but that was before there was Marvel. It was like Marvel was just solely a comic producer. They weren't. They would sell their characters and stuff like that. That's how you get the Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. I don't know if you remember that movie from like the late eighties. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like nobody thought it was superhero movies were a viable property, so they would sell like the weird ones and just use it to, to generate money in order to print more comic books and hire more artists and stuff like that. And Howard the Duck was one of them. And if you remember, Howard the Duck has the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I forget what his name is. It's Jeffrey something. But he mm -hmm. turned out he turned out to be a pederast, so we can't support his stuff anymore either. So <laughs> right. but it was 
Leah Thompson. It was the Jeffrey, whatever his name. And it was a relatively big budget. Do you know who directed that, Steve? No. George Lucas. Oh, Howard the Duck? Howard the Duck was with George Lucas. Hold on. I'm going to look it up just so I don't sound like a, or turn out to be a complete asshole. But I'm pretty sure that it was directed by George Lucas. And it was a Marvel property. Like, those are things that together should equate to a good movie. Oh, no. Now it was William Hayek. I don't know who that is. How was George Lucas involved with this, though? Did he produce it, maybe? Yep. He was, the, he was the executive producer. That's what it was. So he was right. involved. He was involved. So you get that. You get the, the idea of a Marvel. And you get Leah Thompson was riding high. I mean, she was just coming off of... Uh, Back to the Future, and I believe Red Dawn was out too. I think that came out first. So, you know what I mean? She had at least a little bit of box office credibility, and then Howard the Duck came out, and it was not good. But they're talking about rebooting it, because if you remember at the end of, was it Guardians of the Galaxy? I think there was a cameo by Howard the Duck at the very end, who was voiced by Seth Green. So, there you go. There's some trivia for you. In the the original one or no? No, no, no. The original the, one. No, the the cameo at the end of the Guardians end of, of the Galaxy. Got it. Yeah. That was Seth Green. No didn't know how we were gonna end up on Howard the Duck, but we did. Hey, you talked about Leah Thompson, man. How I do know. you talk about Leah Thompson without mentioning that right. dumpster fire? <laughs> <laughs> All right, going going up my list and, and, and next one just ties back into our Breakfast Club, right? So Ali Ali Sheedy. Yeah. Uh, definitely on my list and you know, she had a run. I mean, she was technically part of the, the what I guess what they called the Brat Pack uh, yep. back in the eighties, um, with Demi Moore and what was it, Molly Ringwald and Judd Nelson and Emilio, was it Emilio Estevez, Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe. Yeah. So Wait, just think know. of what whoever was in Saint Elsewhere or Saint Elmo's Fire. It's anybody who was in that was considered Rat Pack. So it was Spader. It was James. No, it wasn't Spader. It was um. Okay, Steve, you want to bet? I'll bet you a dollar bet on the air right now. Look it up. Oh boy! All right, I it's a dollar bet. I will. I will Venmo or PayPal you a dollar if I'm All right. right. Stand by. So what are you looking up? Do, Who is in we, the Brad do Pack? Believe, do we believe IMDb? Is that a authoritative sure. source? Authoritative enough. Like it's All better right. than going in the dredges of the internet. I'm not. I'm going to trust it more, and I'm going to trust Reddit. All right. So. Uh, according to this, the Brat Pack was Judd Nelson, Demi Moore, Anthony Michael Hall, Sean Penn, Rob Lowe, Molly Ringwald, Emilio Estevez, and Andrew McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy. Damn it. Right, so you can Venmo to Steve <laughs> at matchwits.com. We should set up a Patron, man. People could just start giving us money for <laughs> listening to us drivel about our childhoods and movies and stuff. Andrew McCarthy. All right, so moving. Oh, so we haven't even delved into Ali Sheedy, but no. so you know, again, there was an arc in there, and I think it was all within a five-year period, right? Which was, I mean, Saint Elmo's Fire and Breakfast Club. I think were almost the same year. Yeah, I think so. Right, and they went from playing high schoolers to playing graduating college. Um, but she was also in War Games with <laughs> Matthew Broderick. Yeah, she was. Which is a great movie, still, to this day. Yep. And Short Circuit. Ugh. Yeah. With, with, with Fisher, Fisher with Stevens as, as playing the, the Indian guy. Or is he, only in the sec- <laughs> or is he only in the second one? Are we not talking about Hollywood's notoriously sorted history about casting white people and browning oh, them uh, up? And browning them up. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
that was that was that was a thing. But she was uh, again in in all those movies, and she's I think she's gone on to do other stuff. I think she's still doing stuff. Um, but that that That's, period in the, like that eighty four to like eighty nine period, which you put again, Saint Elmo's Fire, Short Circuit, Breakfast yeah. Club, War Games, all all great. I think War Games was probably first, right? Yeah, she was a little bit younger so. there. Yeah, I think so. And it's funny too, Steve. When we were doing research for this for this topic, all these all the people on my list have still been doing things that I have no idea or have seen them in like all these ones. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if they've done anything else. Okay. They've been acting consistently since the mid nineties and I just haven't seen them in anything. So I'm always like, Oh, I think they disappeared after that. And then you're like, Oh no, they were in 200, you know, small indie horror movies and they're still trying to eke out a living at, at comic cons which by all means i will come give you 50 bucks take a picture with you and stuff like that but they're just not the same yeah and side note uh i think i'm going to emerald city comic con again which is coming up in march um so we'll have to do some sort of episode around that because i am a little bit out of my element at the comic cons but you need to give me some assignments and i'll I'll do something for the podcast like i think i think that's your assignment i think you should go in as that out of touch old man and ask (laughs) questions to these people in full regalia like okay what character are you and then make reference to somebody that they're not even close to looking like you know what i mean be like the old fuddy-duddy that wanders around howard the duck there you go they won't know who the hell you are so it's the same thing that the Emerald City Comic Con is a real thing. I mean, like I think it's second or third largest behind uh, was it San Diego. I mean, sure. the, the good chunk of the cast of Stranger Things is going to be there. Not um, what's her name, uh, Eleven. Um, yeah. But the I think all the boys are going to be there, and they're like they, they get it was pretty cool last year when I went. When I is why not? Is Winona Ryder going to be there? No. And then I don't. Care. And she's not on my list either. <laughs> she should be. She should be, but. Uh, she, yeah. that, I, if she didn't make it to your honorable mention, that's kind of upsetting. You should, Steve, the yeah. amount of ones that I have on here that I'm going to read off, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, I didn't even mention them in honorable mentions. Yeah, you're going to be mad. Yeah, I, I, I feel like Winona Ryder was a little bit later. Like, I was a little bit older. Like, I was a teenager sure. already. This is kind of, okay. you know, prepubescent, 12, yeah. 14 type of thing so that's fair the, the the next one again you know we're, we're the, the last couple here are all in the same kind of story arcs they're all certainly intertwined is uh kelly lebrock <laughs> from essentially just essentially two movies i mean she was in a couple but um weird science with anthony michael hall and uh um uh, the woman in red with with gene wilder i love gene wilder and uh yeah those two again i think both of those were VHS material growing up. Um, but we, it, we were just talking about moments that are so seared in your subconscious that you can remember the exact timing of it. And when she walks out in that outfit and leans against <laughs> it and it has the terrible lighting that doesn't make any sense in the context of it and there's like a wind machine going on and she yeah, yeah. says, what do you two madmen want to do first? I can still remember exactly what she's wearing, Steve, and it's 30 years later and I haven't seen the movie in probably a decade, but... Yeah. Yes. It, was, it was it was iconic, and if you were you know if you were if you were of that age at that time, it was like I my, wasn't of that age. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Like I was like <laughs> right. six or seven when right. it came so out. So I, but... I, I get it. We get it. I, I might have been a bad influence on you, <laughs> yes, um, or a good influence depending on your your, your your point of view. All right, 
So number one on my list, um, it, it, it's it, well, I'm just going to go right into it. So uh, Elizabeth Shue, primarily sure. for um, the Karate Kid. There's something, there was something about the Karate Kid, that movie, Ralph Macchio, that I, re, I related to. I mean, I was super into Kung Fu. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't know what it was about that. Uh, that movie, I think it was just it was one of the, it was timing. It was a good movie, like I don't know. And and the character she played was like that, you know, call it the girl next door type of thing. Yep. But there was there was something about her character. Same with Adventures in Babysitting. There was just I don't know. Again, I was right. right I was at I was at the right age to, for the for those movies to to resonate. And then um, and, and kind of doing some research, she was one of the three finalists for um, the. Um, Ioni Sky character in Say Anything, which that would have kind of completely blown my universe if she would have sure. gotten the uh, 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 the lead in that movie. And that makes sense too. And and she, it, <laughs> we were talking about it last episode, the the Kevin Bacon one. That's the reason I have a soft spot for Hollow Man is because Elizabeth oh, yeah, Shue's yeah. in that movie. And and I, the Adventures in Babysitting even more so for me was because I had I don't remember who was the the girl that used to babysit me when I was a kid when I, when mom used to go to school and it was the the girls that lived up the street and she reminded me of was Elizabeth Shue and so that was one of those things that I always had a crust on Elizabeth Shue was because it reminded me of my babysitter so no she was on my list and like that's another one like Karate Kid was 85 maybe so I was 6 or 7 so I didn't really have feelings for girls I'm, I'm pretty sure they still all like cooties at that point in time but <laughs> I remember being in love with Elizabeth Shue. So, oh, and cocktail. Yeah, I think I saw a quote that was like, "If she would have known there was just a bunch of guys throwing drinks around, she wouldn't have done that movie." <laughs> <laughs> the Brian Karate, Brown. Karate Kid was eighty four. Yep. It was one of the top movies of eighty four. Yeah. Did you ever see the Did you ever see the video that the guy edited that made Daniel the villain? That made that made Johnny the hero. That Johnny was just trying to like defend his friends and his honor and stuff like that. And this new kid comes into town and like throws everything out of whack. And like this crazy old man defends him and like beats him up in an alleyway and stuff. No, but it sounds hilarious. Look it up. It's the I think it's the same guy, or it was just the same day that I watched the idea that Ferris Bueller is Cameron's id. That that Ferris Bueller is Tyler Durden to Cameron. The idea uh, of, yeah. of that it's all just a manifestation of his inner, of everything that he wants to be. That that's what you really think he's going to have a sing along on a float with like everybody at a parade and stuff like that. Like no, that's farce. That's it's farcical because it's all taking place in Cameron's mind. But it was the same one that that did the other, the other video that that's all conspiracy theories. So, so yeah. the the other runner up. So if if I only sky. I only sky got the part. Jennifer Connelly was the runner-up, and Elizabeth Shue was third. Wait, is Jennifer Connelly on your list, or is she on? No, 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 no. I'm just looking yeah. at the. I, I couldn't figure out who. The, there was somebody else in between uh, I only sky and Elizabeth Shue. I have so many on here, Steve, that you you right, didn't. Let's mention. get in. Let's get into that. Was my my list. Anybody that you would just 
again, this is completely subjective, I guess. So, so. <laughs> well, see, then we're talking about ones that I, I, I can't talk about any crushes that I had growing up without talking about Tiffany Amber Theason from Saved by the Bell. If I don't mention Kelly Kapowski in some way, shape, or form, I'm lying to myself. And as a human, <laughs> as a human being, like I was in love with her. And she's aged so well. Like I think she's probably 50 at this point in time, but she's still gorgeous to this day. But there's a lot on this list, Steve, that I thought you miss Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia in the gold mm. bikini, man. Like, yeah, like those are ones that 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 should have been on your list. Like over, well, I can't say over somebody else because it's a subjective list. But like, there's Jennifer Grey in. in but Red I would Dawn actually take Princess Vespa over Carrie Fisher, who was. She was on Baywatch. Do you remember what her name was? Oh, right. And she was in... Um, no, I don't remember. I forget what her name is. I'm not, I was vamping to see if I could... <laughs> I was, see if I could remember it, but I can't. So, But no, some of my... All right, so Diane Franklin. You don't know the name, but you're definitely going to recognize. She's the French girl from Better Off Dead. And she was also one of the princesses in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. That I didn't know. Yeah, That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one, right? Catherine Mary Stewart. Who Catherine Mary Stewart, if we're actually doing a top five list, she is on mine. And the, what most people will remember her for is she is, I think, Andrew McCarthy's or Jonathan Silverman's, whatever. She was one of the girlfriends from Weekend at Bernie's. But she was in Night of the Comet, which is still, that when we do movies prime for remakes, that's one of the ones I want to be remade. And then The Last Starfighter, which again is another one of those ones that's so ripe for remake, but she's so adorable in those movies. Um, but the one, the one I wanted to bring up is she's kind of responsible for kick-starting my puberty, as creepy as that sounds, but the we when I've been doing research for these podcasts and stuff like that, it, I always seem to be coming back to a certain moment when I started watching a lot of movies that I shouldn't have been. You were a big influence and Sister Jen or Sister Jen was a big influence, but it's when the USA Network bought the rights to like all of these bad like I would say like B minus C plus horror movies and started playing them late nights on Fridays and Saturdays and it was called USA Up All Night and when USA Up All Night first got its start it was Gilbert Gottfried was the host which exposed right. me to Gilbert Gottfried in a whole new light. So even as I got older, I appreciate Gilbert Gottfried for what he is. Like he he finds himself hysterical, which makes me find him hysterical. But there's a girl, a woman that was on that show named Rhonda Shear, and Rhonda Shear was kind of like a bimbo version of Elvira. She was the big, big hair and very buxom, but she hosted mm-hmm. the bad movies, and I would stay up to watch the bad movies and to watch her. And I remember when I originally started podcasting with my friend Dave not too long ago, we tweeted at her to try to get her to come on the show, and she responded, and it was like the highlight of my month at that point in time. <laughs> I was so excited because she was. like It wasn't just the fact that I, of course, found her extremely attractive, but she introduced me to 976 Evil and all of these terrible horror movies that I wouldn't have watched. I wouldn't have walked through a, a movie store and picked it off a shelf because they were made for, you know, $500,000 and it's the same actors playing different characters and stuff, but she was so funny. And then I remember they, they actually did a series where Gilbert Godfrey and her hosted together and they kind of like had a 
a riff off. It was kind of like a mystery science theater thing where they would make fun of the movies and stuff. So that was huge, and like that was one of the ones that immediately popped in my mind when we were doing this list. So, wow, that was Chris- Ronda Shear. Ronda Shear, yeah. What about Christina Applegate? Yeah, that could have been on my. <laughs> well, again, I was like, you know, that wasn't. That came later. Like again, sure. that was more, more. Like I was more in like high school and, yeah, and even college when Married with Children was kind of hitting its heyday. Well, it's um, funny too that you're you remember it probably clearer than I do, but I don't. I remember the beginning of Fox as a channel. Do you remember Fox was only on for like six hours? It would come on at like seven o'clock oh, on yeah. like a Sunday night and it would start with the Tracy Ullman show, which is where the Simpsons got their start, and then it right. would go into it would go into Married with Children with with Al Bundy and Peg yep. Bundy and Christina Applegate as the as as Kelly Bundy as the oldest daughter and mm-hmm. she was kind of that peroxide blonde, kind of ditzy metal chick that it was easy to fall in love with her, so. Yeah. But, but then. No, it's... no, that was good. And I think, wasn't Herman's Head on around that time? Yep. That was a. Like... Another, another great one. It was. Yep. Herman's Head led me directly into, remember, uh, what was the, the one on HBO? Dream On. Do you remember Dream oh, On? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're, like, they, they're, act, they're remember, like, acting out or you're inside their head. Where yeah. Dream On all, was all done with classic movie footage. Yep, exactly. Yeah. But that was that was H one of HBO's I think original programming. It was like one of their first so. ones. That was and awesome. That, and I was young. And that. It was like ten or eleven years old. But so, but then you get another one. So you have Carrie Green, who is Andy from the Goonies. I just loved her and the red hair. And oh yeah, Sigourney Weaver from as Dana in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Like I had, I hadn't seen Alien movies yet. I just remember her being all like big eighties hair with that kind of off-the-shoulder dress. Yeah, I was a big fan of that. Phoebe Cates. Yeah, yeah, times. she was... <laughs> yeah, I guess I could have had a bigger honorable mention list. That's but. what I mean. Like that's what, And the, the one that I really... Well, there's two more that I wanted to mention. One is Jamie Gertz. And Jamie Gertz was on my list just because yep. I was infatuated with her. I was a huge fan of a movie called Solar Babies. I don't know if you remember that one, Steve. No. It, was the, it was about the, 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 it was like a post-apocalyptic future where it was about rollerblading. It was like right when it really got popular and it, it was just really, I think Jason Patrick and Lucas Haas are in it and Jamie Gertz plays one of these the lead characters of the Solar Babies and they find like a mystical orb and blah 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 blah. But the guy that directed Solar Babies is the guy that directed. Do you remember the movie To Be or Not to Be with Gene Wilder and and Mel Brooks? Yeah, the and Mel Brooks movie. It's not a Mel Brooks movie. He he starred, he wrote, and he executive produced it, but he did not direct it. The guy that directed it is a guy named Alan Johnson. That his only other credit was the movie Solar Babies. <laughs> it was Steve. It was one of those ones I was I fell down this hole and I just started looking at things. And I'm like, wait, this doesn't even make any sense. But it makes sense when you realize that Alan Johnson's was known in Hollywood as the choreographer that worked on History of the World and all of these other Mel Brooks Ah. movies that he did the choreography. So Mel Brooks came on as an executive producer and was like, what kind of movie do you want to make? So he made To Be or Not To Be, which is like the 
the theater drama with Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. And then he made a movie in the mid-80s called Solar Babies. And it's the last movie that he worked on, and it's the last movie he ever directed. And it's it's just one of those th- Do you know who – did you ever watch The League? Do you know who Paul Shear is? Uh, I watched a couple of seasons of The League, I don't, uh, but I didn't watch like the last – He's the he's the plastic surgeon. He's got the podcast. It was called "How Did This Get Made," where they they make they go and they find like movies like Solar Babies, and they talk about how the hell did this movie ever possibly get made, and why was it made, and who was involved and stuff. And the episode on Solar Babies, when they talk about the the series of dominoes that had to fall in order for this movie to get made, it's it's hysterical, and it's a great podcast because they do they talk about all of those movies that are on those VHS tapes and they break them <laughs> down into because those are the ones Steve like High School USA we should have no earthly recollection of that movie because it was terrible Michael J like Michael J Fox probably doesn't even talk about it and stuff like that but we watched it because that's all we had you know right. that was one of the movies that we had on so. And what was the other one that Michael J. Fox, where he was really young when they did the, the scavenger hunt? Was that Midnight, Mid- Midnight, Midnight Madness? Midnight, Midnight Madness. Madness, yeah, yeah. Midnight Madness was Stephen First from Flounder, Flounder from Animal House. I, I'm trying to remember who actually directed that because I remember looking. Was it Zemeckis? Robert Zemeckis may have. It, it's somebody that when you go back and you realize, you're like, oh, my God, that's that's with the meat machine, the, the, the meatheads that were the green guys that rode in the little white punch buggy. Was it 1988? No. No. No, because it's, it's with uh, the, the guy from American Werewolf in London. What the hell's his oh, name? Midnight Madness. Yeah, Midnight Madness. 1980. Yeah. <laughs> with Leon. Michael Leon. Mankin, David we- Wechter. You know, who, who, wrote, who directed it? That was what I said, Michael Mankin. Oh, okay. Click David on that. Wechter. I don't know who that is. Oh, the guy! No, uh, like half these people don't have pictures on IMDb. I mean, yeah. they didn't go on to do anything. They didn't go on to do anything since <laughs> IMDb was a thing. But Stephen First, yeah, Michael J. Yeah. Fox, Michael J. Fox, and the guy from who's the guy from American Werewolf in London? Um, he should be one of the top billings. David Naughton. David Naughton. Yeah, he's the one that does the the, the greatest werewolf transformation in the oh, history yeah, yeah, of yeah. film. Okay, that, yeah. that, that's him. I believe this was after he actually Deborah did that Klinger? movie, too. <laughs> I, mean, I forgot she was in that. Yeah. Where do you <laughs> find was, that? i got to go back and watch that. That's one of the ones i got to force the kids to watch. Yeah. All right. Who, el- who else is on your list? The, la- the last one is, it, it's such a stretch, but it's just because you introduced me to, one, Cannibal Run at a way too early age, and then John Carpenter. And it's Adrian Barbeau. Do you remember who she is, Steve? Did you remember the Swamp Thing? The the bad, the really bad like version of the... It, that's a Marvel... I believe it's a Marvel comic. That it's mm-hmm. the, the guy that becomes part plant. Do mm-hmm. you remember... Look her up. She was in the fog. She was in Escape from New York. But she was the, she was the girl that she wore the low cut, yeah, 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 yeah. the low cut yeah. jumpsuit in Cannibal Run. I think yep. she shows up with what Farrah Fawcett or Heather Locklear, in like the white Lamborghini. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like they have to like distract the cops or something like that. And I remember because Adrian Barbeau is very busty and yep. naturally busty, and is one of those ones like back in the eighties they didn't have anything to like contain those things, and she was always <laughs> in like turtleneck and stuff. So, 
but no, that was the other. That's one. a good a one. That, that that that's a good one. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other ones, but these are dated. Like these are Joey Lauren Adams was mm. my like that was about 14 when I think I was 14 when Dazed and Confused came out, and I was yeah. in love with her then. Rosario Dawson was I think Kids was like 95, 94, 95, and that was mm. the first that was the first movie Rosario Dawson's ever been in, and she got discovered like they were walking around New York trying to find people or trying to find like natural actors, like kids that hadn't been in things for that movie to give it that kind of cinema verite kind of grungy look. And she was sitting on her stoop in, I think, Brooklyn or something like that. And a producer walked by and they were like, do you act? And she was like, no. And they're like, well, you're extremely attractive. Do you want to act? <laughs> and then that's why we had that's, her serial. She was in what? Clerks too. Yeah. 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 She's the, she's the one Dante's in love with and she does yeah. the ABC, ABC dance which is another one of those ones that <laughs> moments that's just stuck in my head like, right yeah but then like alright so then you have Sigourney Weaver Alyssa Milano mm-hmm. yeah again for me I was you know she was yeah she was young when I was young and then you know I don't know she was she was after my time Ter- after Terry my, uh, Terry Hatcher how old were you when she was on Seinfeld and she was the yeah I mean I was in college probably yeah uh, Oh God! Yeah, you're old. And then the other one, the other one is Elijah Dushku, but that doesn't that doesn't yeah, merit still, mention. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes so you feel like there's a another dirty one. Bit. And again, I, I thought about this, and I, I didn't go on my list, didn't even go on my honorable mention. Again, I could have made a much longer honorable mention. Helen Slater from Legend of Billie Jean. Sure, and Supergirl. Yeah, isn't she? She's Kelly Slater's sister, the surfer. No. I, it's really? one of those ones. That, yeah, I could be making that up, but right. I say how it was. A, you, how much did you? You want a double or nothing? Sure. All right. So I owe you two dollars. She's yeah. she's related to somebody famous. I know that. Oh, well, that's Christian Slater. No, no, no. It's a Slater. You can't say Kelly Slater <laughs> and very... then change it after the bet. That's not the way it works. All right, we okay. find where's the uh, personal Le- details. Legend of Billie Jean. Who was the... Oh, it's Yearly Smith, the girl that goes on to uh, voice... Lisa uh, Simpson. Lisa Simpson. And, and she, she was, was also in, on Herman's Head. And she was also in Maximum Overdrive. The only the only director's credit to Stephen King's IMDb ever. And he doesn't even remember directing it because he was so hopped up on cocaine. Okay. And lo- I love that story. He doesn't... They spent like... I think a quarter of their, of their production budget solely securing the rights to the ACDC songs so good it's just one of those ones like I don't know why I know that and it might not even be true but I tell people it's true because it sounds awesome Um, I'm not seeing anything in here that is anything related to Kelly Slater no relation whatsoever huh she's related to somebody what do you want (laughs) IMDB are you on IMDB yeah she's best friends with Helen Hunt no that's, ooh, Helen Hunt should have been on there. Mad about you? Yeah. See, that, yeah, was, that was after my time. That was before and Twister. my time. Yeah. Nope, I'm seeing nothing. You owe me two bucks. Yeah, whatever. Put it on my tab. <laughs> she was also yeah, she was in Supergirl. Yeah, 1984. Supergirl it all goes back to 1984. Of course it was. How old were you in 1984? Five. All right. That makes makes you feel old. So I wasn't even in grade school yet? Nope. Yeah. 
and I was right there in the middle of of puberty with all with Elizabeth Shue movies out there, and uh, well, and there you have it. And I was almost and I was almost roller skating. I would go around twice, and then again, go go play video games. And then go play video games. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Match Wits. Unless you have anything else, Chris. No, that's all I got. This was good. I like it. I like putting the audio in there. That's a lot of fun. Um, still getting used to it, but. Uh, I think that adds a, adds a dynamic. So if you have anything to add to a future episode, send it to me and I'll put it in here. Sure. Um, as, we, as we wrap this one up, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, um, MatchWits, uh, W-I-T-T-S. It's MatchWits. And then MatchWits.com is our website. Uh, if you have any ideas, feedback, um, whatever, you can send it to us. Um, I believe my email is Steve at MatchWits. Or you can DM us on, on Twitter. Uh, and with that, I think we will we'll put a bow on this one. And till till next week, uh, we'll talk then. I bid you adieu. <laughs> Later, brother. Say it. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. And you see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, with the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain and an athlete and a basket case a princess and a criminal does that answer your question sincerely yours the breakfast club don't don't don't